Got it. Got it. <laughs> Devin, got it? Got it. Got it. Hello everybody, my name is Ron Ecstasy and this is the Blue Men Group. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Devin Welsh and John Biedrin. Hello, guys. Hey, thank hey. you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. And uh, I hope everybody's doing very, very well. It's a beautiful, hot summer day up here in the Northern Hemisphere. And we are looking at news with all of our eyes, ears, and senses, all six senses. Taste. Uh, <laughs> Tasting the news seven this week. Senses. Seven, seven senses, I think. Seven senses. We've just added two new senses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we will be describing them at the end of the episode, so don't forget to stick around. By the way, I just would like to explain last week's episode. I was, uh, I left in a huff and a puff. Oh, yeah. as, we need uh, to clear the air on this. As John and Devin announced, um, I was nowhere to be seen uh, at the end. I couldn't do the numbers, um, and I signed off immediately because... I have no idea why, actually. I you just were lost upset, my internet connection. Yeah. yeah, but I kind of like you know just yanked the uh, yanked the the whole power cord out of the wall, but for the whole house, like not just the uh, <laughs> not just the internet. It was like every, yeah. it's like a massive plug. Yeah, yeah the, um, the one big plug. The for one our big non, plug. Non North yes. American listeners, um, every home in North America has a one giant plug. Uh, your water, your electricity, your cable, all it comes through, all the one plug. Yeah. So when you yank it, it's really a big deal. And you have to call, you know, the State Department. They have to go out and like yep. hook you back up. And when yep. you pull it, your family gets really mad at you. Uh, yeah. And whoever else is around, everyone gets really upset when you pull the one big plug. So yeah. I pulled the one big plug and uh, it was... I did. I shouldn't have done it while we were recording. That was that was a mistake. So I apologize to our our listeners for pulling that plug uh, while you were listening, and, and I I also want to apologize to my two co-hosts because you know what they closed that episode out perfectly when I listened to it. I actually thank you. I was uh, crying a bit. <laughs> actually, I was crying a lot. Okay, so let's let's uh, move along here and not talk about me crying because I would like to get to. This Week in History. In 1948, singer Robert Plant, former frontman of the rock group Led Zeppelin, is born in West Brummage, England. Mm. Today in History, August 20, Camille Bohannon, The Associated Press. Thank you, Camille. Thank you, Camille. That was Camille Bohannon from The Associated Press, one of our... Wonderful colleague. Wonderful yeah. colleagues, that's right. And uh, yeah, so Robert Plant. Mm -hmm. uh, born what? East Scrummage. East Scrummage. So yeah, born in Scrummage. Big. We know Robert Plant as the, you know, a kind of... 
heroic figure of rock and roll. Uh, yeah, lead singer of Led Zeppelin, a kind of a sex symbol of his time, and uh, you know, an icon of, of the period. Mm-hmm. He really made writing songs about Gollum sexy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lord of the very Rings UK. got yeah. way hotter. Yeah, that that whole scene was kind of like very pastoral, wasn't it? Kind of singing about yeah. like the hills of Brummage and. Well, all you that write kind what you know, and a That's lot true. of the fans in America didn't realize, but all of those stories were, you know, it's like history for England. He kind of yeah, has that like, like little troll look, doesn't he? Kind of like yeah. he, well, now he does, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I'm looking yeah. at a picture of him right now, he but I guess look- he was he's probably hot back in the day. He's probably he's yeah. probably getting laid. I oh imagine. yeah, oh yeah. You of think course. so, Mr. Plant? Well, uh, from time to time, I'm sure. Um, um, but yeah, we do have a story on that note of kind of interesting uh, little uh, piece of trivia about Led Zeppelin. Um, something known Uh-oh. as the Mud Shark incident, which maybe uh, John, you'd like to explain. Yeah. Um, thank you. You mean yes. the the Red Snapper incident, or is it the Mud Shark incident, John? Well, it's a little. It's a little bit of both. We're not exactly Muddy. sure what fish, the what the fish was in question. Okay. This is an old, this is sort of an apocryphal story that we're we're gonna hit up Snopes.com. Uh oh. Put that in the browser right now. Snopes.com, Snopes, okay. um, a trusted trusted source of authenticating rumors on the internet. They've um, never been wrong. They've, they've never, never been, been wrong. one they've, to yeah. to you know send you down the wrong path with mm-hmm. any fake articles or anything like that mm-hmm. that would they, lead you awry. Now, they actually have, you... have the kind of papal infallibility, like <laughs> yes. whatever they say is by de facto true. So it's canon. Yes. Yeah, canon. So yes. this is a story from 2003. Mm. Did members of Led Zeppelin pleasure a groupie with a mud shark? Question. Oh mark. no. Oh no. Uh, members of Led Zeppelin once employed a mud shark on a female groupie. Claim, rating, mixture. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So, so there's some falsehood, but there's some truth. Yes. Yeah, so according to two separate accounts, one from 1985, uh, quote, one girl, a pretty young groupie with red hair, was disrobed and tied to the bed. According to the legend of the shark episode, Led Zeppelin then proceeded to stuff pieces of shark into her vagina and rectum. Oh, no. So uh, it's no place to keep that kind of stuff. No. And, yeah. and then in 1998, uh, uh, from another book of some groupie stories, then there was the infamous mud shark incident, which was actually more like a red herring. Ha ha. Oh, in 1969, okay. Led Zeppelin checked into Seattle's where, by the way, we're going to also determine whether or not this is true using our incredible blue men group powers of deductive reasoning and investigative, mm-hmm. uh, which at, we always break stories. Mm-hmm. So in 1969, Led Zeppelin checked into Seattle's Edgewater Inn. The place was a favorite with musicians because guests could fish from their rooms. Hell now, okay. can we find out if that's true? So I've looked into this. Uh, the Edgewater Hotel is still going. And by the way, as John mentioned, that is in Seattle's Puget Sound, which you may be familiar with as we've uh, helped clean up that area. Uh, mm-hmm. um, many bottle cans and beer cans just Old being... stuff th- that... Led Zeppelin probably, you know, yeah. threw into the ocean. We actually exactly. have been helping to get it out of the ocean. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So yeah, those old pop top cans of like beer with like the big clunk exactly. chunk key. Yep. Those have been washing up ashore in Puget Sound for a long time and it's all from this one riotous night. Yeah, with the the DNA of that band all over it. And, yeah, and um, some <laughs> potentially some fish, some yeah. crustacean and aquatic so, animal. I've looked into the Edgewater Hotel um it is a confirmed from me 
and I will be contacting Snopes about this later on, that it is confirmed that you can fish from the rooms. It is on the edge of the water. Now, and I'm looking at a picture here right now that is of a window that is just looking directly down into the water. Yeah. And the thing here that I'm noticing is it may be difficult to get these windows open, but let's well, take ourselves back, okay, to whenever that was, the 70s, 1969. 80s, 69. A hot yeah. summer, the 27th summer of July. A hot summer, sound. Yeah, okay, then there's probably zero window lock, zero, the, the windows are as dangerous as possible, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, yes. you could 100% fish from your room. If so you please, were John, wondering why you ever in a hotel room can't open your window when you're staying somewhere, it's because of Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's now, because of I, what I don't we're know. about to describe, actually. Yeah. So yeah. the guests apparently were fishing from their Seattle Edgewater Inn hotel room, and the band hauled in some fish. Then they hauled in a 17-year-old redhead named Jackie. She mentioned okay. she really from liked the water. They caught her in the they caught okay, her in the water. So. They hauled in a 17-year-old <laughs> redhead named Jackie. Yeah. She mentioned she really liked being tied up. Okay, continue. Yes. The obliging Englishman ordered a rope from room service. The obliging. Next, <laughs> Hello, Jackie can I please? removed her clothes and the boys, tie the boys tied her to the bed. Oh, lads. This is just like British uh, like school st stuff. This is right? what it's happened sort of to... Phrased, it's this phrased is what in happened a way to, where... This is what happened to Boris Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like phrased in a way where it's like they don't want to do it. They're just being polite. Yeah, obliging oh, yeah, yeah. Englishman. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Jackie. Jackie, I'll do it. We'll just call up room service. We'll get it done, love. Let's get a rope up here, love. <laughs> we do then used to do this in Brummage. Brummage. <laughs> scrummage. Okay. Then the so road manager continue. entertained the band by taking a red snapper and introducing it to her red snapper. Oh, to the John. girls, To the girls' private parts, the road manager entertained the band by you by putting a fish that they had they had gotten presumably caught that that afternoon yeah okay so yeah anyway this this story is tough to classify as either purely true or false because so many different versions with varying details exist but we might safely say it's one of many legends formed from a kernel of truth covered with several layers of exaggeration and embellishment so uh probably at the time of the group's 27 July 1969 appearance at the Seattle Pop Festival uh, according to Richard Cole, Led Zeppelin's road manager, he and drummer John Bonham, a.k.a. Bonzo, were busily yeah. engaged in the pastime of catching sharks through an Edgewater window when they were interrupted by some persistent groupies. But what occurred next didn't quite live up to the notorious modern version of the legend. Uh, this is quoting uh, Richard Cole, Led Zeppelin's road manager. It wasn't Bonzo. It was me. It wasn't <laughs> shark parts anyway. It was the nose that got put in. I'm doing Austin Powers. <laughs> we caught a lot of big sharks, at least two dozen, stuck coat hangers to the gills and left him in the closet. But the true shark story was that it wasn't even a shark. It was a red snapper. And the chick happened to be a boop, redheaded broad with a ginger boop. This is a filthy autobiography. <laughs> oh, my, my God. God. And that is the truth. Bonzo was in the room, but I did it. <laughs> Saying it so proud. Um, just letting you know, the uh, Washington State Department of Health would like you to know that uh, if you are eating a trawl caught red snapper, also known as a rockfish from the mm -hmm. uh, Puget Sound area, 
you should only be eating one serving per week. Um, uh, but it's kind of a, you know, it shouldn't be something that you're eating a lot because of mercury levels. Just letting you know that, um, something I don't think Led Zeppelin and friends, Bonzo, etc., knew about, uh, perhaps. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I know it's it's a it's a terrifying story all around. We wanted to pass on that information about uh, about one Robert Plant. Um, yes, um, the icon, hero. legend, sex symbol. Yeah, um, and a uh, person that uh, ties up young women and puts uh, fish inside of them. So uh, yes, there you have it. There you have yeah, it. Yeah. So happy birthday this week. Buddy. Happy birthday. Yeah, that's uh, what. Thanks I, so much I, for changing the world. Yeah, you've done so much for us. You've. Uh, You've been so influenced by many previous songs that sound identical to yours. And yes. uh, thank you for putting East Grumbage on the map. Yeah, scrumbly umptious <laughs> to you, love. And uh, hopefully you get some red snapper for dinner. Hopefully you get some help too. And yeah. tons of help. <laughs> yeah, uh, lawyer. Um, yeah, we need to yeah. talk, man. All right. Yeah. So thank you very much. Uh, that was uh, this week in history. So as we're jumping into our next section here, we need to see what's in the news. What is in the news? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you asked, John, because we got some stuff here. And, and as you know, we like to uh, keep... Uh, this kind of indicate we we like indicators, you know, things that mm -hmm. indicate the health or lack thereof uh, of society. And yeah, can we get a temperature check? Yeah, temperature check, exactly. So we got a headline here. Dev, could you uh, take us down this road, please? Yeah, interesting story. Someone paid over twenty five hundred dollars for a slice of Princess Diana's wedding cake. Well, wait a um, second. Wait, when did she get married? When did she get married? So <laughs> That's 40 I, years ago. She got married. It says that she got married in 1981. So oh, a wow. surviving slice of the wedding cake has sold for $2,500. I'm honestly surprised it didn't go for more. Well, um, yeah. True, yeah, that's not that much money, I guess. The estimates were very low. <laughs> yeah, the estimates. Okay, so the, the article goes on to say it was originally estimated that a single slice of the 40 year old cake would sell for $277 to $416. That's so specific. So, so specific. Yeah. yeah. Who's eyeballing it? Eyeballing yeah, who, that cake and then being like, yeah, how old is it? 40 years old? Mm. Using a jeweler's loop to look at like the frosting. <laughs> yeah, 277. Yeah. So the article uh, on today.com, very reputable source, a mm -hmm. sweet souvenir from one of the most iconic weddings of the 21st century. Okay, uh -huh. so no, that was a 20th, 20th century, century. Wedding. 20th century. Just sold Correct. for more than $2,500. Earlier this month, Dominic Winter Auctioneers announced that it was auctioning off four slices of cake from Prince Charles and Princess Diana's 1981 wedding. At the time, an online listing on the auctioneer's website Estimated that a single slice of the 40-year-old cake would sell for 277 to 416, but a British local shelled out over 2,500 for the cake this week. Um, okay, um, I don't understand why it was saved in the first place. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah. mean that's the royal family—they're always saving weird stuff. Well, the only way that you could as assume that the cake would become so expensive is if you knew that there was a tragic end in store. That's right. For the young princess. 
Uh oh. Yeah. What? Don't don't tell me. <laughs> um, don't tell me. Oh, you haven't gotten that far yet, have you? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we don't know what happened to these. You know, this happy couple. Um, according to the listing, the large slice of cake icing and marzipan base comes from one of the twenty-three wedding cakes that Wait, we made for the nineteen. 19- yeah, so that's why we're seeing that low price here because the market's flooded. Oh my yeah. god, yeah. Um, so this like, guy bought a lemon. This British. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he bought a he bought a slice of cake that he could just got for around four hundred and seventy seven dollars. Yeah, exactly. It originally belonged to Moira Smith, who worked for the Queen Mother. Dun dun dun. Relative mm. to what John was saying, um, the person who did the murder is the one that saved the cakes. Right. Um, this is sort of like when Martha Stewart got um, in trouble for uh, using inside information to profit. Yeah, exactly. Moira Smith is going to be jailed. G A O L E D. And British on the spelling. orders, on the orders of the top boss herself. So, and yeah, the auctioneers exactly. believe it must have been sent to the Clarence House staff to enjoy. In two thousand and eight, ah, Smith's House. family sold the cake to Dominic Winter auctioneers. So it wasn't even like the royal cake. It was sent to the help. It was like the royal, like the the help staff get their own like lesser cake to eat on the wedding. Yeah. And then that's like, the cake that sold. Yeah. yeah one yeah. of 23 cakes that you can yeah. choose from on it's that not, day. It's not like Princess Diana's slice. It's not the one that she no, cut. No, you no. Know. She um, ate hers. <laughs> she didn't even cut. It's not even from the cake that she presumably was near during her she, wedding. Yeah. She may not even looked at this cake. Yeah. Um, I like this this next sentence here. It says most forty year old cakes would be in rough condition. <laughs> I don't know but. any other forty year old cakes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but this one seems to have been preserved nicely in cling wrap placed on a card tin foil base and stored in an old cake tin. How that's what really? 40? That's really that'll really extend the life of your cake. Yeah, it's the difference between parking it in your driveway and parking it in your garage. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the article it finishes by saying, this isn't the first time that an edible piece of royal memorabilia has been auctioned off. Really? In 2017, a single slice of Prince William and the former Kate Middleton's eight-tiered fruitcake went on auction. Estimates from the six-year-old piece of cake set the price between 1000 and 1550 So it's more, they, they got, they had a higher estimate for Prince William's cake. Yeah. I mean, because it's fresher. Well- yeah, because you can eat it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can um, actually eat it. So there is wait, sort of like a a, a life a lifespan on cake, an expiration date. Mm-hmm. I almost thought it, I almost thought uh, it was a bit unfair to. Uh, I thought they were calling the their kid an eight tiered fruit cake, but it turns out that that's <laughs> that's what they were serving at their wedding, and they didn't even have a kid at the time. So I apologize for inferring that. Uh, it's the way that this article, as we've said, has been a bit bit uh poorly written but uh yeah this is this is absolutely nuts i don't i don't like the idea of uh the cake prices rising this much to be honest that does disturb me as um, yeah. someone who likes to keep a close eye on the economy and cakes yeah. this if is this, yeah this, if this doesn't is connected, board well if it's mm-hmm. connected in any way with the price of just regular cakes then mm-hmm. we're in serious trouble we're and yes. yeah you can extrapolate that to the larger yeah. market if the cake industry goes down, it could be the first domino to fall. It takes in a, bread in a cascade it. of crashes and bubble bursts that could go all the way to, you know, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> cookies, from the baking yeah. kitchen Ice. outward, pudding. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like uh, you, I've got about seven monitors at my desk and I'm looking at futures of all sorts of different cakes and pies and in and different in different regions as well. Creme brulees and that kind of stuff. I'm always keeping an eye on them. And when I saw the uh, the estimates for the price originally, I was like, yeah, of course, like whatever. That's 277, <laughs> yeah. 416. Yeah, I got it. I would have said a bit different, but then. Then listen, I got uh, alerts, notifications, knocks on my door, um, taps on my window, uh, taps in my phone, um, mm -hmm. talking about this $2,500 uh, cake yeah. from that that uh, that 40-year-old wedding. Yeah. I'm mm -hmm. upset. I'm upset about it. Um, but after concerned. having a, a big piece of cake, um, there's nothing more satisfying uh, than a than a, a Philip Morris cigarette. And yeah, uh, so true. Yeah. So we Prince have another Philip. headline here. Prince Philip Morris is a is a nice little uh, lead into <laughs> That's that. Right. If, Prince if you... Philip Morris um, yeah. transitioning uh, tobacco giant. Philip Morris raises bid for respiratory drug maker. Oh, my God. Now, what? this is another this is another indicator of what's going on. So uh, I'm cigarette over here. Futures are down. Giant <laughs> leading titans are bailing out of the cigarette cigarette industry and trying yeah. to jump ship. Ron, we want you to take over this story and give us a give us a close view because um, as as a recent cigarette smoker, as somebody yes. that just last night most smoked, recently smoked, yes. cigarettes. how many cigarettes? A few cigarettes. That is true. Um, I had three cigarettes last night with my smoking sister, and I I say that as meaning she smokes cigarettes. Now, can you and break this down for us? And the I would listener, love to, Ron. What is it like to smoke a cigarette? Okay, so that how does it John. Feel? I'm glad you asked. Listen, I'm going to uh, just one moment here. Oh, yeah. Wow. He looks so wow. cool. He looks so Ooh. smooth. Effortless. All right. <clears throat> well. <laughs> Devin and I are both leaning in really hard. Oh, yeah. Wow. We're suddenly mystified by this. Love it. Charismatic <clears throat> man. Uh, <clears throat> You, you look right. like a you look like an old cowboy now. <clears throat> yeah, I've aged. I've aged considerably <laughs> since I started smoking three cigarettes a day. Listen, let me tell you what smoking a cigarette is like. Have you ever been around a, a diesel truck with its engine on, and you wrap your uh, lips around the exhaust pipe mm -hmm. as a kid? Yeah, no. I've done that. Uh, so yes and no. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but anyway, what's yeah, going on with <laughs> Philip Morris? Yeah, you've put me in a difficult situation there. Uh, okay, so uh, listen, the tobacco giant Philip Morris. This is an, uh, uh, I believe it's an American company, right? Um, they are giant, by the way, and and it's not a uh, giant Philip Morris. It's not a man named Philip Morris who's also like thirty nine feet tall. This is just a very large company because they've been selling these little poison sticks for who knows the past hundred years or so. And they've done very, very well. Listen, doctors used to tell you to smoke these things because they said it would cure what ails you. Uh, they even made minty ones called menthol cigarettes. It's like brushing your teeth. Um, <laughs> but listen, now we know that all of that is false. It's bad. You should not be smoking these cigarettes. It's bad for your lungs. Have you ever seen a lung that smokes a cigarette? what it looks like just the lung smoking a cigarette it's terrible it's disgusting <laughs> it looks they like a diesel engine it's yeah. a frightening yeah. sight um, it's disgusting not because yeah. of the what's being done to the lung but just no, seeing no, no. a lung smoking seeing an a organ it's, it's with autonomy yeah, it's, it's bad so um listen 
this Philip Morris company has made everybody sick and now they're getting into the respirator business. So tobacco giant Philip Morris has raised its bid to buy respiratory drug maker Vectura for more than one billion pounds. That's the British hmm. monetary. Uh, that's the way they 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 describe dollars. <laughs> they call it pounds. So it is <laughs> sterling. Uh, so it is Prince Philip Morris. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So um. <laughs> So Vectura, which is an interesting name, makes inhaled medicines and devices to treat respiratory illnesses such as asthma and counts Novaritis oh. and GSK among its customers. So I'm on their website right now. I'm allowing all cookies. They can have all the cookies they want when I'm on their website. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the Vectura, they have a very like... Um, asthmatic looking logo and uh it, their their tagline is helping you bring inhaled medicines to market and then they've got a lot of scientists uh touching things yeah and they've got like videos so they're like, like research and development for respiratory drugs mm-hmm. yeah inhaled um, medicines all right now let me do a little um uh like future vision yeah let me please, do, okay. be a little bit of a, a soothsayer here mm-hmm. philip morris in 2028 will introduce the first asthmatic cigarette that yeah. cures your asthma as you smoke it and calms you down cool Ooh. cbd that's like a that. wonderful product put the asthma right in the, the asthma medicine right in the cigarette i'll take three yeah. john per day <laughs> um so uh the marlboro cigarette maker increased its offer to uh $2.29 per share after a U.S. private equity firm, Carlyle, let's not forget about the Carlyle Group. Look them up on Wikipedia. They've been involved in some uh, pretty spectacular, interesting wars all over the world. Uh, and they offered uh, $1.3 billion uh, um, uh, for that uh, Vectura. So Vectura has not yet responded to the request for comment on the new bid. Uh, I thought... This could be kind of a thing where we could bid too. I don't know like oh, how true. you guys are feeling about it, but yeah. I was looking into it's funny because like the other night I was like, damn, I kind of want to buy like an asthma company. And um the thing were you having here, this thought over a cigarette? <clears throat> yeah. And then Zoe's like, No, we have to eat dinner. And I was like, No, 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 asthma companies. We need to help fix asthma tonight. But I think that, you know, what we're seeing here is kind of a battle between like demonic entities. You know, we've got Mm. Philip Morris on the one Mm -hmm. hand, we've got Carlisle on the other. I think that if we're going to make a bid, we need to enlist the services of Lucifer himself in order to really, you know, have get a foot in the door even. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's also an expert in that industry of um, fire and brimstone and ash. Yeah, uh, uh, Lucifer. Lucifer. Yes, he is. Yeah. So, uh, Vectura has also agreed to develop a potential inhaled treatment for COVID nineteen with Inspira, a UK based pharmaceuticals company which focuses on developing therapies for respiratory and infectious diseases. In a statement, Philip Morris said, "The Philip Morris International, Inc. Excuse me. The PMI, which stands for Philip Morris International, increased offer values. The entire issued." And to be issued ordinary share capital of Vectura. 
that doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> See, this sense is the kind me. of deal that... Um, this is the like, kind of satanic language. That exactly. Yes. It's like, it's a ritual invocation. It's not meant to make sense. Like, they're, they're summoning Beelzebub. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, is, this is actually in an archaic form of Latin, is what yeah. we're Seriously, reading Seriously, it's now, oldie if, English. Now, our pitch to Lucifer on the satanic version of Shark Tank... Mm-hmm. Um, A.K.A. Shark Tank... Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be more big picture. Um, we're gonna offer him sixty six percent share Huge of picture. our takeover. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need his funding, and we need his uh, his ability to influence Hollywood actors to make mm-hmm. smoking seem cool again. Yeah, cool. So we're gonna focus more on image. I mean, we're like you know we're big picture guys. We don't know anything about like asthma medicine or like you know the ins and outs of the tobacco industry. Mm. But we know Satan is an image maker. And we know mm-hmm. smoking used to be a big flashy product. Yep. And so if we're going to buy out Vectura and possibly Philip Morris, I'm now expanding our, our takeover to the smoking industry as a large industry. We need to make it cool again. We need to make it sexy. We need to eat into the, the vaping shares. I love it, John. I and love- so then we use Satan's influence to make Marlon Brando uh, and uh, James Dean alive again. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. And have them smoke, yeah, like three, four packs a day. Yeah, mm. um, I like that. And the young people will follow. So uh, this this these bids that are happening, like it's not, like it's an eBay auction for Philip Morris. Uh, the fresh bid comes after Philip Morris said it could stop selling cigarettes in the UK in ten years' time, as it focuses on alternatives such as heated tobacco, which is mm. what I call cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> heated tobacco they're Smoke. pivoting in a subtle yet important way they're yeah. jumping over back to pipes mm-hmm. um, yeah. and then this is uh this is absolutely spectacular i think this is my favorite part of the article because let's not forget pmi philip morris international is a cigarette company and that's how they've made billions and billions of dollars um the they article- are marlboro Yes, Marlboro. You know the Marlboro man, right? They uh, own your lungs. Yeah, that's they're <laughs> renting. Yes. Um, okay, so the the firm Philip Morris International indicated it would welcome a government ban on cigarettes. Whoa! <laughs> and said strong regulation was needed to help solve the problem of cigarette smoking once and for all. Wait a minute. That it's is like, so insane. The fact like, that wait, the, you the owning this. company of Marlboro <laughs> yeah, saying exactly. that the problem of cigarette smoking needs to be ended once and for all. Yeah. That that just feels like you know when when like the extremely tall adult is putting their hand on like a child's forehead and the t- child is just trying to punch or whatever. Yeah. For some reason it's like that and it's like stop and but like the kid's punching himself. It's like stop punching yourself. Stop punching yourself. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that is not necessarily the right way to describe that, but uh no, for some reason right. it invokes that in my head that yeah. uh it's like a guy smoking <laughs> a, the the longest cigarette you've ever seen is like He's like, say, hey, listen, strong regulations needed to solve this, this is a huge problem, problem of cigarette smoking once and for all. Um, so, uh, that, however, let's all light up. Yeah, okay. But Ron, we've got another story over here that uh, is blinking on my screen now. We need to cover it. Um, And this is something that you have brought to the table. 
Something that's true. from the Highlands of Scotland. Is yeah, that, that right? That's that's correct. That's where we are. Um, so let me just put out my. Can we spin the globe? We haven't done that in a while. Oh yeah, yeah we spin the globe. globe. All right, put listeners. Put your finger right on Scotland. If you can find okay. Scotland on your globe, take a look at the British Isles. Now go straight up north, up the M10 or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they are always okay. I've something quick aside. Why why are things in the UK like? They always describe things as though everyone knows where every single road is. Like, it'll be like, it's like, yeah, he's from Brummage and he's on mm-hmm. the Maidenhead turnabout. Speak, sister. And then it's like, uh, what? What do you, anyway. And it's like, yeah, take a left. About at 40 clicks lane. outside of, yeah, Grumblage. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah, um, we live behind a hedge. We live behind the old hedge in Grumblage. Um, we should look up our British listeners after. Okay, so let's go to the uh, uh, this article. Let's stick to the news. Let's stick to the news, not opinion. Okay, let's. That was a little bit of an editorial. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, our standards are starting that. to slip. Yeah. This is a bit of a callback. Uh, you may remember one of the this week in history uh, things about the Magna Carta. It was like 14-something, some weird year that happened way back in the day. And we're like, what use is it? The Magna Carta. Who cares? Ross Perot owns it or something or some like football owner, (laughs) whatever. All right. Well, guess what? It's back in vogue. En vogue. Protesters (laughs) claim to seize Edinburgh Castle under Article 61 of the Magna Carta. Yeah. Oh now, my God. I've been going off on Article 61 of Magna Carta for fucking years. You've been sounding this horn. <laughs> okay, so but somebody's gonna take take advantage. Am I right? That's yeah, exactly. So Clause 61 of the Magna Carta contained a commitment from John of England, King John, mm-hmm. King John of England, not John, our co-host, that mm-hmm. he would seek to obtain nothing from anyone in our own person or through someone else whereby any of these grants or liberties may be revoked or diminished. No idea what that means. So (laughs) (laughs) essentially. Basically it means that like the people can take whatever the hell they want. Hell yes. I I was going to say that seems like kind of a vague clause. Um, And you have to be respectful of the fact that it was 1215. I looked it up. Oh, Um, And they didn't have language for very long before that. So they're still trying to figure it out. It's true. What? Yeah, that was within the first like 10 years of language. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And also constitutional scholar John Biedrin coming in with seems a bit vague. It's like, buddy, do you know what a constitution's for? Anyway. Okay. So uh, <laughs> in this article, in the th- so this, this article is from the Evening Standard, uh, one hell of a newspaper. Uh, and it says here, in a 13-minute video, a woman says the castle belongs to the people and that they are taking our power back. So nice. a, a group of protesters identifying as peaceful, sovereign people have claimed to seize Edinburgh Castle. The small group was seen at the landmark in a Facebook live video. Take it down, Zuckerberg. On <laughs> Tuesday afternoon with police Scotland confirming officers were still in attendance hours later. In the 13-minute video, a woman says the castle belongs to the people and that they are taking the power back. She adds, the Scottish people have been lied to all of our lives and that the building belongs to us. We have taken the castle back in an effort to restore the rule 
of law. This is such a misunderstanding of power now. Yes. To be like an 800 year old document gives us right to reclaim this castle that is just a tourist attraction. Mm -hmm. And then being inside this castle will somehow like keep out a modern army. Yeah. (laughs) Will also lead to us like reestablishing the kingdom of Scotland. Kind of makes me think that potentially there's a bit of a housing crisis going on in Edinburgh. Like if we're we're just looking towards the biggest castle and saying, yeah, that's mine. Like, yeah, because we're seeing we still have yet to really determine what do they want the castle for? Like, what does it represent to them? What's going on here? Yeah. Is this a party or something? Um, (laughs) So another man says uh, treason's been going on for that long now. We can't sit back and let everyone everybody perish under the stupid, stupid legislation (laughs) and fraudulent government tyranny. Huge words. So let's just take it all back, not just the castle. <laughs> oh, oh nice. so he, he's bailing out of that. Let's take, yeah. I take it back. Yeah. <laughs> let's just take it all back. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then the woman then speaks again, calling for no more enslavement. And the people in Commonwealth are going to be free. She tells viewers that they're going to take everybody down, including government, the courts, the crown is coming down today, she said. Wow. Uh, just a little update. The crown did not come down today, yesterday, <laughs> or any of the previous days. Maybe this is what um, caused Princess Diana's cake to skyrocket in value. I was just yeah, thinking it's that, like, John. Yeah, kind of uh, anxiety on the edges of, uh, of, of the of, country. Of, of royal hegemony, yeah. Yeah, so after saying the group is putting we the people back into power, a second man adds, we are the people. <laughs> um, <laughs> These people are so delusional. Yeah. Like they were just, like, there was going to fix this in one day. I know. And that it's, like... It's it's almost like by speaking it, it will come true. Yeah, like it's like like not really recognizing that like how yeah how power works or like what you can't just say that we're taking it and then it's yeah. token and then it's yours. Yeah, <laughs> so it's here, like there's no no one like holds like anything of value in that castle anymore. Right, it's like not strategic anymore. <laughs> it's just a place for selfies, probably. So yeah, uh, here here's a here's a big one. Uh, the woman also claims. Corrupt, evil, satanic pedophiles are running this country, and Scots have been kept like peasants for 800 years. So part of well, that is true, and I'll I'm let you agree decide. With, yeah, <laughs> now actually I've changed my mind, and I agree with these people. Yeah, I'll let yeah, you. Yeah, no, I, I, I do as well. Um, this is a good move. We celebrate their taking of the castle, and we, yeah. you know. And I look we, forward to the falling of the crown probably this week. Maybe not today, but. Maybe not yeah. today, yeah. Maybe by next week. Let's. That would be huge for our show if 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 the crown went down. Um, so uh, as police appear, she shouts, "Notice to compel!" and informs officers they are seizing the castle under Article sixty one of Magna Carta, the only law in the land which predates the Act of Union. So um, the woman says <laughs> she has put Police Scotland Chief Constable Ian Livingstone on notice about nice. them taking the castle that's Police pretty Chief wild constable just, ian livingstone you are on notice exactly like and that makes the news like putting people on notice now is in the <laughs> evening standard so uh one officer asked the woman for her name uh to which she says she is not obliged to do before identifying herself anyway <laughs> nice um she's got nothing to hide yeah and then the police constable uh then asks how many more people are you expecting to come to edinburgh castle today to join a protest when she tells him it's not a protest we're actually taking it back he replies 
Right. No worries. <laughs> nice. Um, a police Scotland spokesman. He said, agrees with her interpretation of the Magna Carta. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. Like, wow. It's, it's yours then. Right, there she's, you go. she's got us there. Yeah. Uh, so a police Scotland spokesman said uh, officers are currently in attendance at Edinburgh Castle and are engaging with a group of people who have gathered within the castle grounds. So pretty nice. That's pretty I think crazy. Just get a critical mass of people yeah. to just do this, to stand outside Let's of signal buildings boost this. in cities and just be like, it's ours now. Then yeah. it will actually be theirs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and signal boost this. Um, Blue Man Group listeners, please uh, shout out the anonymous group of protest. I mean, uh, Magna Carta yeah. truthers mm-hmm. um, outside of Edinburgh Castle. Send them some support. And hey, maybe Man- join them if you're nearby. Yeah, Blue Man Group listeners, just go to wherever your nearest castle is mm-hmm. and yeah. basically just do this. Claim Stand it. outside and the do castle. do the exact same thing. And say that you're just taking it. And Claim that's it. Article that. 61. Yeah. Just start shouting that. And, Absolutely. And Get, don't... If you don't live near a castle, just find the oldest, most stone-like building. Yep. Uh, and then take it over. Get a heraldry. Get a banner of mm-hmm. some sort. Mm-hmm. Start creating alliances with people in other regions who are taking back their castles. Yep. And we'll just go and, ahead and we'll just implement a whole new sort of system of uh, titles and honors and kingdoms. Yeah. Man, Just that's... expand. Take, talk take about, the castle and build from there. Talk about like pastoral. We were talking about like Robert Plant earlier. This, I feel like I'm in a Led Zeppelin song telling yeah, people true. to like <laughs> take over a castle, like find a stone building and and DR Maker or whatever the songs is, you know, like, <laughs> or whatever it is. So also, yeah. if you're if you're just interested in visiting Edinburgh Castle, I uh, direct you to the uh, tickets.historic-scotland.gov.uk. Adults age 16 to 64, that'll be 15 pounds, 50 cents for you to get in. Um, and then it's your castle. And then it's yours because of section Because of the Magna Carta. John, I'd like to I'd like to put you on a little ship and send you <laughs> send you to San Francisco because Wouldn't we all we've got a news story. Yeah. Um, so this last story was about um, an old historic pact, an ancient pact mm-hmm. uh, between king and citizen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this next story in San Francisco is uh, of an even older, more primeval pact. One between coyote and woman. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, Search for woman caught on camera serving San Francisco wildlife platter of meat. (laughs) A platter. Um, So in San Francisco, there is a search for a woman who was caught on camera feeding a platter of raw meat to wild coyotes in the middle of San Francisco Bernal Hill. Oh, no, I've been there. So what's up with Bernal Hill? It's a big hill. What's the it's, vibe? Uh, you just you can see uh, most of the bay and stuff like that. You go oh, is up it like there a park? And, and you like uh, is there you go a lot make of out meat? with you go make out with people. Oh, okay. So it's the make out point. Yeah, it's like but there's coyotes there. Uh, yeah. And San Francisco is a really interesting city, and you can feed them. <laughs> and it's never been a problem before. Yeah, no problem. According to Article sixty one. Um, animal care and control officials say it's a problem that's been going on for far too long and it threatens the safety of people and coyotes. So you're right. People have been going up to make up point on Bernal Hill and feeding the coyotes for a long time. And everyone was like, yeah, you're not supposed to, but it's like a cool, fun thing we do. 
and the, their coyotes are getting bulkier and bulkier and they're like <laughs> they're they're like they're ripped they're absolutely yeah. there's so much protein in their in their diets they're getting like grass-fed beef like ingesting that every packs. every day when we showed a park visitor a picture released by animal control of the woman feeding the raw meat to coyotes he struggled to find the words to make sense of it quote do we need to do that can't they dot 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 it doesn't seem like we need to be feeding them, said Rick Barnes. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> According oh to gosh. Animal Control, the woman, in fact, should not be feeding the coyotes. It is both illegal and dangerous. Feeding coyotes and any wildlife, making the wildlife lose their natural wariness. They begin to see people as a source of food, mm -hmm. said Virginia Donahue, executive director at San Francisco Animal Control. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm looking at this photo of, of the woman. It's very funny to me. She's in a, I, I assume, like kind of a yoga pant uh, situation with like a mm -hmm. zip up, a pink zip up, athleisure zip up. She's and, wearing her tech wear. She's yeah. She's wearing her San Francisco uniform. And she's sitting on the ground, uh, not necessarily cross-legged, um, but she has a big pack of meat next to her. And she's, <laughs> I will say she's caught red-handed because she's got the red meat in her hand. But she is looking directly into the camera with a look of sort of puzzled surprise. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, I've been caught. But apparently she wasn't caught because we're still trying to find her, I guess. Uh, yeah. But uh, Fox 2, KTVU in San Francisco. Hold on, Fox? Yeah, Fox 2. I thought we were talking about coyotes here. <laughs> yeah, coyote news. So uh, the, the Fox, which, which you know... Like is in the back pocket of Big Fox. Yes, um, <laughs> is now throwing all the blame on these coyotes. Yeah, Meanwhile, true. the foxes are probably eating a feast on Bernal Hill. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that is a great point. Let's let's hear how the uh, the local news mm -hmm. is uh, treating this story. Uh, looks like they're they're reporting this at five fifty nine. So I don't know if this is part of the five o'clock news or the six o'clock news or <laughs> whatever. But here we go. Let's let's hear what Fox Two KTVU SSA. Search is on for a woman caught on camera feeding a platter of raw meat to wild coyotes right in the middle of a San Francisco park. <laughs> really need this behavior to stop in the city. We don't want to have to remove another coyote. This is 100% a human-caused problem. Officials with the city's animal care and control say it's a problem that's been going on now for far too long and that it threatens the safety of people and coyotes. Uh, yeah, brought to you by the Fox Sanctuary at the bottom of Bernal Hill. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I know. These people, they're bringing in all these scolds to be like, this is yeah. really bad behavior. Yeah, yeah. New editorial from Fox News. Should we be starving the coyotes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And feeding the extra food to, why not? The Fox. Yeah. <laughs> Fox budget increasing this year. Yeah. Um, federal officials cited that very reason of humans approaching uh, fox, coyotes, not foxes, feeding them and then the f coyotes losing their natural wariness as the reason for a euthanization of a coyote back in July mm. that had been repeatedly approaching toddlers at San Francisco Botanical Garden. Hey, you got any meat? <laughs> we, were very we were certainly very alarmed to see them approaching children. That's not natural behavior. Mm. <laughs> a coyote should not be. This is like this whole article is the tone of like, this isn't good. This shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Why is this happening? Why is this yeah. shouldn't be this happening. Isn't normal. This is not normal. A like, coyote should not be walking up to a child in any circumstance. I don't know what the coyote's intent was, but it's certainly a dangerous situation, Donahue said. We people can change our behavior. By just not feeding them, it's probably going to take care of a lot of the problems that we have. 
Um, yeah, yeah. So the authorities think the situation is brought on by repeated feeding from humans, obviously. But it's like <laughs> I imagine a, uh, a a news article like a year or two ago or something like that is like uh, when you're sending your kids to uh, the botanical gardens, make sure you stuff their pockets with beef and sausages, uh, bacon, like raw jerky. lamb. Yeah, and then. And then it's like, uh oh, we overcorrect, overcorrect. Uh, (laughs) Stop. Kids should not be engaging with coyotes. Surely there should be some sort of natural balance. Yeah. Between toddler and coyote. And again, I would like to reiterate that there is an older pact here that's responsible. This is the natural order of things 800 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Woman and coyote, hand in hand, um, sneaking sausages off of your plate. And I think uh, we at Blue Men Group would do well to notice some of the parallels between uh, last week's story of the unmarked van um, going around selling meat. Yes. Yeah. And this uh, recent uh, issue with yeah. coyotes eating meat. Yeah. There's a lot of meat going around, people. There's a lot of um, meat shaming. Yeah. There's a lot of government and local news, and they're saying, don't take the meat. Don't yeah, take meat stop. anywhere. Don't eat meat. Yeah, stop. Don't buy meat's it. mysterious. When somebody yeah. knocks don't at your door, it. don't buy it. Like, yeah. don't stop giving it to the coyotes. Stop doing yeah. this. Stop. Don't give stop it to your that. kids. Stop doing that. Stop. It, put they're it trying in your to get you pockets. ready, man. They're trying to, they're, there's not going to be meat in 15 years. They're going to force feed you the bugs. They want bugs. You're not going to be able to have <laughs> cigarettes anymore. No, no. Yeah, they want to take it all away from us, man. <laughs> Everybody's got asthma and they want you eating bugs. Okay. So, like, exactly. So, this is where we, need to start making a line in the sand or at the Bernal Hill yeah. boundary in park. In the dirt. Yeah, in the dirt. Dirty. Yeah, dirt. And in the coyote shit. Mm-hmm. And we got to assert ourselves here. Magna Carta, Article 63. One. 61. 61's for the Edinburgh Castle situation. This is yeah. a different clause yeah. that oh, reasserts oh, okay. our right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm so down with that. That's that's great. Well, John, thanks so much for uh yeah. reporting from the Coyote Desk up on Bernal yeah. Hill. Well, this I I like to think of this as more of the the um the the relationship between woman and and wild animal desk. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. I'll be I'll be I, sure to visit that desk after work. Uh Which was so. also the desk I was sitting at when I was telling you about the Red Snapper story. Oh yeah, true. <laughs> wow. Right. Right. That's, that's this disgusting. desk is getting a lot of use today. <laughs> it's disgusting, John. Um, uh, well, yeah, that's that's great. And uh, actually, we've got this. Uh, actually, John, stay at your desk for this. Yeah. Oh, what's that? Yeah, I need you to stay at your desk because we have <laughs> more meat stories coming through. This time, in a segment I like to call the Centenarian, Centenarian employee, employee of the Week. Of the week. Damn, I can't believe it's time again for the Centenarian Employee of the Week. I know. So yeah. for those of you asking right now, when you, you just put this on pause maybe and you ask your mom or dad what a centenarian is, it's somebody who's over 100 years old, okay? so They're old. That means they were born before 1921, okay? So we've got a story out of Boston, the Boston area, right? That's in uh, New England, they call it. Not Old England. The newest version of England. The yeah, the England, England. The fresh one. The one that still abides by the Magna Carta, unlike that fake old England. Right. Mm-hmm. So we got a headline here. It's not hard work for me. 
At 101 years old, this Maine lobster woman still works the water. So, excuse me, it's from Maine, not Boston. <laughs> but it's the Boston Globe. It's the Boston Globe, yeah. And then um, the picture up top is a woman who mm-hmm. doesn't look a day over 80 to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think she doesn't look a day over, say, 90. Okay. I say she looks back a lobster. 101. But, uh, Come yeah. on, Ron. That's rude. It's an elderly woman hard at work on a fishing boat. Yeah, well, it's not hard work for her. That's true. Yeah, it, it's very she easy. She makes it look her. easy. So <laughs> her name is Virginia Oliver. And uh, in this photo, she's tossing back an undersized lobster as she and her son, Max, haul traps together. So she works on a fishing boat, a lobster boat, I should say. And she has she's a, wearing an American apparel hoodie. I was I was actually going to say that. Was you going to say that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's all, she's She has a keen eye for what lobster should stay and what lobster should go and Mm -hmm. she wakes up very early so she's in south thomaston maine and it's not yet 5 a.m and the landing at spruce head fisherman's co-op is shrouded in pre-dawn fog that obscures the waters beyond it's time to go to work and virginia oliver and her son max approach the dock in the dark in a 30-foot lobster boat I'm captivated. I'm ready for more. <laughs> yeah, can, can okay. tell me more. I was just checking to see if everybody was <laughs> paying attention. They tie up under the stark, mist-speckled glare from an overhead light. Who wrote this article? Melville? <laughs> I know. This is like purple prose. <laughs> yeah. Bait is brought aboard, equipment adjusted, and Max peers into the gloom as he eases the boat into Penebscot Bay. In the world of Maine lobstering, it's a scene that is repeated countless times up and down the state's rugged coast. But here's the difference, you guys. No other mm. boat has a 101-year-old lobster woman aboard and fully working one at that. She's not a part-time employee, folks. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I grew up with this, said Virginia Oliver, a Rockland woman who began lobstering when she was eight, just before the Great Depression. It's not hard work for me. For me. It might be for somebody else, but not me. She keeps Wow. <laughs> she's saying. bragging. Yeah. yeah. Rockland Lobster. I wonder if she's ever heard the song Rock Lobster by the B-52s. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. She was like 90 when it came out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's, uh, she, she broke her hip listening to that song. Um, uh, so so she, she says, I have to imagine yeah. that this woman has the worst pension fund in the history of yeah she's been working since she was eight and she's 101 now and she has no savings <laughs> yeah she yeah, yeah she yeah. does not have a roth ira she does not have <laughs> a 401k no she's almost 401 years old that's the only the thing <laughs> she, that she's, she's got going. made like a stunning string of terrible financial decisions <laughs> yeah, yeah has resulted every in- year for the last 20 years she was like this is my last year yeah, this is yeah. the one. I'm going to retire. Um, she put everything like, into Enron, and she just got completely screwed. They go out for one last haul, and then they like pull in, and it's in it. They pull into Atlantic City, and there goes <laughs> yeah. the all of the that all that wealth she generated that year. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like uh, she's. They asked her for her to pay for something when she's at like Red Lobster or whatever, and she's <laughs> like, uh, "Do you guys accept World War One savings bonds?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she and also then, always goes to Red Lobster. It's her favorite restaurant. Yeah, it's like, uh, lady, <laughs> come on. Uh, so, lady, you br- you brought the lobsters that were serving you. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So she's been, um, yeah, working the water since she first accompanied her lobsterman father, who is probably born right around the same time as Magna Carta came out. Uh, <laughs> and after raising four children, she returned to the bay with her husband, who died 15 years ago. I'm sorry. The ripe old age of 99. Yeah. Since then, he, she has continued to venture from shore three mornings a week. Okay. Then they should say that in the headline. Yeah. So they were talking up a big thing. Of, oh, yeah. She works hard. She works full time. Yeah. It's, it's like, like, oh, eh, it's easy for quite. me. It's like, yeah, you're not. Um, <laughs> so uh, she's uh, like salt water. It's a world as familiar as the street where she was born and still lives. Um, when I first started, there weren't any women but me, Oliver said, dressed in an olive green uh, overalls, a blue shirt, sweatshirt uh, from American Apparel, and high boots. Uh, this is my- actually a fashion article. <laughs> well, I'm yeah. glad that they have this all this included because this is my going to be my Halloween costume this year. Yeah, I'm Virginia Oliver. <laughs> uh, my husband and I used to go out in all kinds of weather. There aren't as many lobsters today, though. Yeah, because you caught them all 90 years ago. Um, yeah, let these lobsters regroup. Yeah, give them some time. Aren't Don't lobsters live to be like the same age as her, too? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah so. true. She's probably yeah, knows people, some of them. She's like, oh, my God. There's one that she can't catch, and that's why she's still out there. Yeah, yeah. she's like... She's uh, been trying to catch it for 80 years. Old snappy. Yeah, she's like, oh, I I, uh, I caught this one the same day that uh, Hitler had the beer hall putsch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> She would be. She, would, she lobstered through Nazi Germany. Yeah, she's outlived all of that. So, she out lobstered the the Reich. Um, the Thousand Year Reich didn't last nearly as long as one half of her career. Yeah, Virginia, Virginia Oliver. Oliver. Um, naturally right-handed, Oliver has worked the pliers with her left hand since she broke her wrist several years ago. She's probably also oh. born left-handed, but it was like. You know, t- illegal to use of- your left yeah. hand. Yeah, the, the, yeah, it was. Con- yeah, they didn't legalize left-handedness in Maine till like the forties. <laughs> um, so, uh, despite the change, her hand movements seem remarkable, supple, remarkably supple and strong. Mm. <laughs> Did the journalist like feel her hand? He f- started yeah, to exactly. fall in love with her during this article. It was, like, <laughs> yeah. Too long of an investigation. Like, her, mas- those hands. her massage was patient but very firm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oliver's meticulous when she measures, tossing back lobsters that are only a hair shorter than the three and a quarter inch legal minimum from the eye socket to the rear of the body shell. She also can't keep egg-bearing or reproductive females, a state requirement that helps bolster the lobster stock. And the lobsters they do keep can be a little testy. That one won't quit, Oliver said with a smile. Either will you, Virginia. (laughs) Uh, Reaching gingerly for a feisty claw snapper that wasn't about to go quietly into a tank of seawater. Do not go gentle into that good tank of seawater. Yeah, so then there's another photo of her... um, where she's looking younger, I will say. She looks she looks uh, great. She looks spectacular. I would say there. she looks, looks good. like yeah, a strong ninety five. Yeah, she's got a great smile and uh I'm being sincere about that. She does look like a cool old lady. Uh so Max Oliver, her son is seventy eight, does double yeah, duty yeah. as a helmsman and hauler, emptying every trap that a hydraulic wheel pulls from the water. Between Mama's mother and boy. son, <laughs> they have choreographed an intricate ballet of demanding Physical work that's conducted quietly and efficiently. Um, 
Max chuckled over his mother's stamina and work ethic. (laughs) He chuckled. It's pretty damn good. That's what I call it, he said, (laughs) maneuvering the boat in low water past pine-studded islands. As he recalls, like, the endless times where he, like, almost pushed her off the boat. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Max, it's time to cut the, uh, the apron strings, bud. Or the, says, bi- the bib. Max says, she might give me hell once in a while, though, he added with a laugh. She's the boss, he said, yeah. while thinking even harder about all the times he tried <laughs> to push her off the boat. He said as his, his chuckle died away. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so they live, she lives one house down from the home where she was born. Um, her son, because it, hospitals weren't invented till after she was born, her son lives across the street and checks in on her regularly. When he does, she sometimes gives him chores to do. I have Max take down the curtains and I wash them, Oliver said. I don't like TV because there's nothing on it. Maybe True. it's not plugged in. Yeah. <laughs> I like well, it's to It's on cook. a boat. It's like <laughs> they stopped <laughs> broadcasting like radio signal TV like. 30 yeah. years ago. Yeah, she's expecting the uh, Hindenburg replay to be she on. She keeps tonight. adjusting those uh, rabbit ears, and it's yeah. just like, I still can't get a signal. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they lobster from May to the beginning of November. They rise at about 3 a.m. That's like most 100-year-old people probably, and go to bed at 10 p.m. Um, and look mildly amused when they ask how they manage it. So uh, she said she doesn't nap. Um she goes to the post office and stuff. She has plenty of housework. Uh, she has yeah. three sons and a daughter ranging from age 76 to 82. Okay, wait. Nice. She says, but I still drive a GMC four-wheel drive truck. As you can tell, I'm pretty independent. Wow. Wow. So Let's she's her driving a big truck. Yeah. <laughs> her three sons, yeah, the 76 to 82. <laughs> One of them, 79-year-old Bill, waited at the Spruce Head Co-op this recent morning as he prepared to go lobstering in a separate boat. His mother's work habits seemed to run in the family. Someone asked me, why don't you retire? I said, I can't. My mother would break my neck. Oh, Bill my Oliver God. recalled with a laugh. <laughs> I've always been pretty active and hardworking, and I can't see sitting around doing nothing. You keep moving, and I think you're a lot better off. <laughs> yeah, wow. there's also no chance for you to rest because, like, mom, mother is <laughs> yeah. going to immediately, like, kick your ass and get you back on the boat. 100-year-old mother is, like, still after mother. you. Mother. Yeah. Mother, mother, after all these years, once you cut me a break, <laughs> once you give me a rest. <laughs> yeah, they don't say it, but this family still talks in the mid-Atlantic accent from the 40s. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. But... Okay, I will say, you, you, I, I, I encourage listeners to uh, check out this article because there are beautiful photos here of Maine, the Maine coast. It is very misty. Uh, foggy and misty. She's wearing some rags that have holes in them. That looks cool. She's very, like, uh, she's very uh, Montreal, Myland. <laughs> yeah. She looks determined to, yeah, get stuff done. Yeah, she's... She's definitely uh, there's her fit again. She's got the high. She does boots. have a good fit. She's got like yeah. cool, uh, you know, like lounge, which very popular with COVID, like loungewear sweats, kind of. Yeah, but she's sort of wearing him in this like Isimiyaki, like high art way, mm-hmm. where it's like you know, like slouchy. She's yep. messing with like silhouettes. Yeah, <laughs> here she is laughing. Uh, yeah, she actually looks really jubilant. Yeah, you know? like, yeah. She has a lot of energy. Clearly. There must be like 
some like lost knowledge that she has about lobsters like there's some sort of secret organ in their head that like yeah. contributes to like immortality or something yeah yeah she, that she's like refuses to tell and like her and her three sons they're gonna be like 160 and then like 130 and it's gonna be like they're still they're still on that lobster boat yeah yeah she she with mother's she, immortality plan will be with stuck with her forever <laughs> they yeah. have to they have to put Three her carry grants at 150 years old they have to put her hands in those uh like uh elastic bands so they don't like snip at her like a lobster um yeah in yeah. her so we're looking at her house uh inside she's definitely got one of those like old people chairs you know like once you hit like 95 you just sit in a comfy big chair a lazy and, boy yeah, lazy boy. Well, let's not call her lazy, but uh, <laughs> I'd say she's quite motivated, John. Um, there's mail everywhere. That's one thing that I noticed. She's got it stuffed in the side of her 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 chair here. Just tons yeah, of right. tons of mail. Um, mm, they're all bills. Yeah, <laughs> she's still leasing that lobster boat. Yeah, that's why she's still working because she has to <laughs> pay like off all these bills. A ruthless capitalist exploiter yeah. that is like she, driving this family for like hundred years. He's a hundred and five. Yeah. <laughs> she signed the contract for that boat when it was like nineteen thirty-eight, and it was yeah. like before she could read. It's in <laughs> and it was just like completely like inhuman rates. Yeah. This guy was She's just, just like still big, been trying to work it off. This big twirly mustache guy that lives like 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 right off the pier. She's caught yeah. in a bad deal. Yeah, Another this... day on the boat, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> These are like the wealthiest men in like Massachusetts. Yeah. Joe P. Kennedy, probably. Uh, yeah, true. We'll She's responsible. Back. We'll call back you'll to last week. You'll never retire and you'll never die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the article ends. I'm in hell, actually. I've come to realize there's no way out. Oh, no, it kind of does. I'm 50 years old and I want to retire. Holmes said, shaking his head. It's incredible to be able to get on a boat at her age. It's crazy. For her part, Virginia Oliver said she has no intention of retiring. When asked how long she would continue lobstering, Oliver didn't miss a beat. Until I die, she said, and I don't know when that will be. Either do I. And Blue Man Group, as of... Uh this moment has no information regarding her death so we will presume that she's still alive and kicking yeah, yeah and, and actually we will this will be a new bit that we will be doing on the show where we will check in every week yeah we're going to you know if she's alive or dead yeah we're going to be checking in on virginia um virginia oliver thank you so much virginia for the work and i have to say there's pro if you've ever eaten lobster in the united states uh in your life i have a feeling mm -hmm. virginia has probably been uh, involved in that lobster's life. She must have been. As well. So thank you very much. And yeah. that is Virginia Oliver, the centenarian employee of the week. Of the last like 5,000 weeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, gang, let's, uh, let's close things out. And you know how we do it. Last week we weren't able to do it because, uh, I pulled the big, the big plug, the big plug, one big plug. And, uh, we call this segment last week's numbers. So I've got the old dashboard up here. Holy shit, we're doing we're doing pretty well actually. Oh, we haven't checked in a while. What's the numbers looking like? Yeah, well, past 2 weeks, past previous 14 days, we're up 61%. Yes! I, I, how is that? We're what? back, baby. Yeah. 
we're just pulling in nice numbers um we couldn't have done it without you listeners this is so wonderful this is such great news yeah we're this is good i mean listen in the ron xc news network discord some people were saying that they were you know so uh I, we had a listener in in, in uh, Edinburgh, actually, in Scotland, or no, excuse me, Glasgow in Scotland, who uh, said they were sick, so they were binging a lot of episodes. So that they definitely were sick helps. of the show. Oh, no, no. Okay. So I am only encouraging you to get sick so you can binge. Um, yeah, and just like you spread that virus, mm-hmm. also spread the Bloomin Group. That's so true. That's so true. So so true. But uh, yeah, this is good. Good stats here. Where we're, we're uh, 142 uh, last seven day downloads, 453 downloads in the past month. Now look at this, guys. All time downloads, 4,996. We're four listens <laughs> away from 5,000 all time downloads. What does that mean to you? Dev, take it away. Um, it's been a long road. I mean, we're coming up on uh, having done the show for a year now. That's right. Um, for all you listeners, uh, we've been doing this. Yeah, coming up on a full year. It's been yeah. uh, It's been a wonderful year. A lot of uh, really important news happened that we did cover, and um, I don't know what else to say. I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. Oh. Well, once we hit 5,000 downloads, um, Devin, you said you would sell me your car. Um, yeah, yeah, I can do that. For $5,000. Hmm. Sure. Yeah. It's a deal. Okay, there you go. Well, look at that. So we're wheeling and dealing over here for our 5,000th listen. Um, I will be doing 5,000 push-ups <laughs> in a row. Uh, raising money for... Uh, myself <laughs> and uh, oh, virginia oliver virginia oliver we're gonna get her a new sweater to wear and uh put her into a uh, a senior citizen home care facility we're gonna put her one into of one of those really lobster nice cages <laughs> 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 that they have all the toys in it red lobster all right so um listen i'm looking at geography stats over here united states just pulling up big time we get a lot of listens from the united states wow. canada number two up above 10 percent at 13 percent with i'm not gonna tell you how many downloads and then um United Kingdom, 10%, yep. 10.17%, 10.17%. So that's huge. And so then you've got the Anglosphere, you know, the, the major players of the Anglosphere really bringing home the bacon. Big uh, well, is that going to include Scotland or not? Because this week seems a little unclear whether or not the United Kingdom as a category captures our Scotland listeners. Uh, for now, it does. Um, uh-huh. and, and we encourage uh, uh, self-determination for our Scottish uh, friends and devolution mm-hmm. thereof from the United Kingdom. Um, but uh, we also have South Africa uh, coming in with 2.62 tied with Austria for the uh, amount of listeners Argentina 1% Australia a little under a little under uh, 1% listen i think that's something that we should uh, work on here let's get australian listens above 1% yeah, yeah. australia should be laughing argentina Agreed. Yeah, if you're the australian listener uh, tell some people why are you the only person in australia listening to us <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's true. True. You don't have any friends? Come on. Oh, I think I know. Yeah, tell some people. I think I know the listener. Okay, so uh, listen, thank you so much for 
your ears. Uh, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us in your browser and Google Chrome, Stitcher. You can listen to us anywhere. Pandora. Mm-hmm. You can call us. Chromecast. We'll do the Overcast, episode to the, over the phone to you. Podcast. We have Google every Podcast. single episode memorized. Amazon Music Podcast. Pocket Casts. Others. Every time we say these brands, we get like a fraction of a penny. So yeah. So keep we those. That's why we're doing it. Keep those penny fractions coming. Yes. And also, thank you to special episode sponsor, Philip Morris. Yes. International. And uh, don't forget to smoke, smoke, smoke. Smoke, smoke that guy. cigarette. <laughs> All right. <laughs> smoke that cigarette. Thanks, everybody. And we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.